And you're listening to the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. I'm here in the studio with a special guest, 2012 alum, Dan Donahue. Dan, welcome back to the studios. Mike, thank you. It is absolutely great to be back. And we're actually recording this in my office studio because our our main studio next door is being used by uh, students. Uh, and the students, of course, always get priority. And we're proud that some of our students and alumni are still you know, recording over even over the summer months as well. So that's really cool. So, so Dan, uh, just for anybody new to the radio station who might not remember you, tell us a little bit about yourself and about the show that you did when you were on the RKUR. Awesome. Well, uh, now I'm a bald man. I used to have hair. That's that's like my go-to joke. I guess teaching um, will do that. Yeah. Right. Well, that and male pattern baldness. Yeah, but um, go, yeah. but yeah, uh, no. So I graduated from Kutztown actually ten years ago this month. So it's incredible to believe you know. 10 years ago, but um, I hosted the very popular, as you remember, I remember, Dan Donahue show here at KUR from 2011 to 2012, and that was, it was awesome. I went on to host other radio shows after that, overseas actually, uh, the British Dan Donahue show and then Donahue Nation. Yeah, Radio Nipper was was in Kingston, and then Strathclyde Fusion, when I went to do my teacher's program at the University of Strathclyde in Glasgow, I hosted Donahue Nation for a year there too, Mm -hmm. which was kind of like almost as as awesome as this. It was a great experience, but right. I mean, the Dan Donahue show was the original, and nothing... Nothing I mean, can compare Even to my own podcast now, my friend Dave and I have something called the Dave Hugh John Podcast. Oh, check check it out. that out, yeah. Um, we haven't done stuff in a few years, but uh, and you have a much nicer microphone than we do. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, I mean, even 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 uh, my show ten years ago here was just was just huge. So yeah, you know, we had a lot of fun. Yeah, you, <clears throat> Absolutely, you, you, you made a good impression. I remember what what was neat about you is yes, you took like kind of a political partisan standpoint, but you would also educate listeners on like world events and how it all like works into like the whole. Uh, just world structure, how everything works. Well, you know, I, I think as you, is it, is it, uh, even as I've gotten older, I, I've seen how important that is yeah. because, you know, having lived overseas and, and, and now I teach American kids for like a living as a middle school teacher, you know, Americans were a very insular people. Yeah. We don't, we're, we're so obsessed with our culture and the goings on here that we don't look at what's going on even in other parts of the country mm-hmm. and certainly not in Europe and, right. and other parts of the world that are totally relevant to our lives. Yes. Um, you know, because a lot of people things get ang- a lot of times people get angry about a lot of things um, without being like, all right, well, what are the actual causes of these problems? And, and some of our problems are you know, uh, global issues. It's not just something, oh, the president did or whatever. Yeah. So right. it, I think it's incredibly important, that, that especially for young people, to understand how our government works, to understand how yeah. um, you know, just, just our system works, everything like that. And, and so right. that, that was, that's always been a goal of mine. Gotcha. So, so you're a teacher now, right? Yeah, middle school teacher. Middle school teacher. Yeah. How's that going? Uh, to be honest, I hate teaching. <laughs> <laughs> and I will be completely honest because... Uh, I, and I have to be self-reflective about this because I'm still a proud liberal. Yeah. You know, I, I, I certainly... You know, I'm, I'm a center-left guy. I've always kind of been that. Yeah. Um, I think, in a sense, the Democratic Party has gone farther left now right, because yeah. positions that I had 10 years ago, I still pretty pretty for the most part pretty much have those positions right it's just the democratic party i think is has gone to the left of me on, on a lot of uh positions but i have to blame liberalism for why schools are like they are because the public schools i've worked in and i should say american public schools i really enjoyed working in a private yeah. school in you, america you got the experience of working oh, in other countries yeah, absolutely well too. yeah like the private school i worked at in new york was awesome the uh, scottish public schools were awesome too but the american public schools are like at least the ones in Pennsylvania that I've worked at so far, I mean it's it, it's 
crazy because the kids are really more or less in charge. And I, I kid, mm. I kid you not, everyone at home, you know, look in on your kid's school and see who's actually running the place because it, the kids just more or less are in charge. Mm. That's the best way I can say it. And I feel I have to be self-reflective about this because yeah. I am again a liberal. I'll, I'll yeah, you know. Sometimes the conservatives try to make that like a dirty word, but okay, right. hey, we got a forty-hour work week and the, and the concept of the weekend, right? You right, know what right, I mean? Right. So they can they can say whatever they want. I'll take that with a badge of honor, but um, but I have to be self-reflective, and I'll admit liberalism is what is kind of ruining one of the conservatism isn't helping public schools to be honest <laughs> at all like lack of funding and everything yeah. like that but liberalism basically our education system is just a mess on all lines. it is screwed yeah <laughs> and, and 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 you, you just with liberals though, it's, where i'm self-reflective is i recognize that the whole so I, I i blame my own ideology for that which i have to point out i have a lot of conservative friends and family mm-hmm. and I, I talk to them sometimes about politics and rarely will they admit that their side is wrong about anything so i think as liberals we have to be self-reflective and admit mm-hmm. when we're wrong so let, let's let's get into the meat and potatoes of what the dan donahue show is all about <laughs> we're going to try to keep this like a you know a little half hour show uh so a um, lot going on in the world of politics in the past, uh, you know, since you graduated in 2012. Absolutely. Obviously, we went through the second Obama term. We went through the, the Trump disaster of a presidency. <laughs> we went through, uh, you know, we're now into, like, not quite halfway through a uh, Biden presidency. Where are we in America right now, Dan? Are we any better than we were 12 years ago? Worse? About the same? Uh, we, we, that's a good oh. question for you. Okay, I, uh. I, I'm just going to put you on the spot a little bit mm-hmm. since you're the political yeah. expert here. <clears throat> Ten years. You graduated exactly ten years ago. This month. Okay. Yes. Is our country better in, in 2022, worse, or about the same than we were in 2012? Uh, or is it like a different set of problems, or what? A part of me wants to say the same, but I think it is worse. It's okay. a huge look. If we're talking politically speaking, right. we're we're more polarized than ever. Oh God, yeah. And and honestly, I, I think this polarization. I, I've I've read a lot about this, and a lot of people seem to suggest that this. This pathway to polarization, if we can call it that, really kind of started in the 90s with uh, Newt Gingrich, mm. right? Remember, Newt was a uh, family values Republican, and then how many times did he cheat on how many mm, lives, yeah, right? Exactly. So yeah, that, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, good on you, Newt. What I'm getting at with Newt Gingrich is, it's like, I've read a lot and, and, and heard a lot that, you know, politics was much more amenable, is that maybe that's mm, the right yeah. word, back in the 80s, yeah. where, you know what, Democrats and Republicans, they would disagree on things, oh, but that, they'd yeah. go out for a drink, you know, Tip O'Neill was the, uh, Chris Matthews always used to talk about that, Reagan Tip O'Neill only, would go with Everybody Reagan. loved Ronald Reagan, you know, everybody got a yeah. little, even though they, they didn't agree with him, everybody was, was respectful to each mm-hmm. other. But, but but then a lot of people... That from, changed somewhere along the way. And then it I so think dead. it was the 90s. Because a lot of people, even though the 90s were a great time overall, mm-hmm. I think when it comes to our politics and the, and the polarization that was going to be brought in the 21st century, a lot of things I've read seem to suggest that Newt Gingrich really started that when mm-hmm. he became Speaker of the House, like, you know, in the 90s, where he was just... It's just this divisiveness, mm-hmm. and now it's like you, you throw the culture wars into that or whatever, and it's this perfect mix of just divisiveness that, that it hasn't stopped, and it seems like it has gotten worse, yeah. a, a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't, um, and, and it sucks to say that because I really would, would hope, you know, I mean, 10 years ago, I was a young 22 year old yeah. uh, kid, and, and I, I would have hoped that, hey, you know, 10 years from now, man, things will be a lot better. And politically speaking, and, and as far as how the country is divided, it certainly hasn't. Do you think, uh, and I'm going to throw you a curveball with this one, do you think social media and the internet has played a little bit in on some of that divisiveness? Because now people can, you know, spout their opinions, you know, behind the wall of a, of a computer and not really have to face somebody. Do you think that has, not saying that that's, because yeah. I love social media, as you know, but, so I don't think that's totally to blame at all, as many other factors, but do you think that's a big part of it? 
Uh, I do. I do. Yeah. I think it's a big part, and here's why. I mean, like, social media can, can be used for really positive things. I yeah. mean, there's so many great things you can do with social yeah. media. You can help people who have cancer with social media. Yeah. You can you can um, spotlight good people who are doing good things. You know, yeah. you can honor people. You can do so many great things with social media. But I think the, the big problem when it comes to social media is there's also a huge negative side to that mm-hmm. where you've got, you're right, people who normally wouldn't have been out there. Yeah. Now everybody has their two cents, and it's like our collective kind of, of, of you know, group thought, I mean, obviously we all have our own thoughts, but I'm saying yeah. our, our collective kind of political thought used to be informed by less people and, you know, people who were on TV and stuff like that and, and w- what we would call professional. But now, you know, you've got anybody who can start their own podcast or post something on the internet or whatever and and become, you know, if it's shared, if it's controversial enough or for whatever reason it gets followed enough, people, ordinary people can have a lot of power now. And yeah. I think maybe that's not for the better. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah I, I get you. I get you totally. Um, so, 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 how, well, where do we go from here then? I mean, you know, we. Well, okay, let's back up a little bit. Um, how are we on the right track at least to try to get on on base? I mean, you know, uh, Democrats kind of, you know, when when <coughs> Biden won the presidency, they were like, okay, so at least we can finally start getting back yeah. on track. But let's be real. Again, I'm being honest. Biden's numbers are not that great. His approval numbers are not doing that well. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a very important midterm election coming up later this year that some people are like, oh, this is going to be disastrous for the Democrats. Um, And, you know, we constantly play that game in this country back and forth, back and forth. Is it going to go all red again? Um, Well, I remember out of the many things I learned from you, one of the most important things I remember you you said to me, and and remind me if I'm getting this right, you said that we have, I remember you once said we have two political parties that are driving us off the cliff. Just the Republicans have their feet on the gas, full stop, and and or full go rather, and the Democrats are kind of just taking their time. Right, but you're still going off the cliff. You're still you're going off the cliff. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and now yeah yeah, yeah, you're right, and that was that was that was a great saying, and that was it. it, It's I think it applies more to 2022 even than it did to 2012. You know. Um, and I think that's what's happening. And no, I, I don't. Um, I don't. I don't really see how it does get better because look, we have. Uh, I would say I disagree with the Republican Party eighty to ninety percent of the time. I don't agree with them on many things. Um, uh, again, I think the Democrat has gone. The Democratic Party has gone a little too far left in, in some areas for me. Um, but the, again, I'll say this over and over again. Uh, the, the one thing I respect about the Republican Party and the conservative movement in general is. They believe that the stuff that they say, you know, when, when, when Mike Pence said he had Jesus in his head, I'm sure he believed that Jesus was talking to him, telling him he had to, you know, uh, you know have, do his um, family right. stuff or whatever. It was like this the kind of like very homophobic, like uh, focus on the family. Yeah, right. he was involved with that. That's what right. it was. It's like a Christian thing where it's like they go after people who are right. different than them type situation. So, so yeah, but even though the Republicans I think have a lot of crazy stuff going on in some of their heads, some of these conservatives out there they, I respect the fact that once they get in power, they, they do what they're going to do. Trump said he was going to you know do a lot of stuff including his, his signature piece of legislation which was to give what the, the top 2% or whatever a tax mm-hmm. break to which he, he, he even then he even laughed about it and said oh, you just got a whole lot richer and like he was right and he yeah. did it right on camera not ashamed, he did it and again, I disagree, obviously, with that policy wholeheartedly because I think that you know the trickle down does not work. But I respect the fact that to to use the power and they get it, and the Democrats never do it. I mean, think about now. Yes, we have the the infrastructure bill, awesome. But 
that is not something that is going to excite the base. Overall, it's not. Like, the, the rich tax cuts, for someone, for, for some reason, um, uh, conservatives, whether they're rich, poor, or anywhere in between, they love that idea. And they're, they're, oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, Trump did this great. They love that. But what has Biden and the Democrats done in two years in power now? Um, besides the infrastructure bill, not much. And, and is that what we're going to run on? Yeah, which is, hey, we needed that. Yeah. Uh, we needed a much larger package, let's be real, but uh, with our crumbling infrastructure. But that's it. At least Obama had Obamacare, and, which and, is revolutionary. And a, a lot of it also plays into the media as well, too, <clears throat> on how they, they advertise things as well. I mean, like Trump building a wall and you know tax cuts and all that stuff sounds good on paper, whereas infrastructure bill doesn't even sound really exciting. So that could be a play into it as well, too. But where, that's yeah. that's... I think that's the Democrats' fault, though. Terrible at marketing. Never play up any of their strength. They don't. It's just where is their focus? It just disappoints me because I think we're, yeah we're look the, the cycles are how they are. We're gonna we're gonna look at probably losing twenty twenty two anyway. But I mean, when the Democrats lose, bad things happen for our country. Look at the Supreme Court. Like we lost that oh, for yeah. a generation in twenty sixteen because the Democrats lost another election. Right. Um, uh, and a lot of people who didn't vote in 2016 or voted for Trump in 2016, they were too. This is my opinion. They were too focused just on. I mean, the president's a very important office. Don't don't get me wrong. You know, mm-hmm. Trump versus Clinton, very important, definitely. But you got to look at what's the, the other stakes, and the the other stakes, of course, right here was something as simple as a Supreme Court. You know, yeah. it, you know, now Trump got into office, and probably the most damaging thing he did of all the damaging things he did was those Supreme Court uh, appointees, and now we have a extremely tilted right Supreme Court that might take a generation to change that. I mean, maybe even two. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, look, Brett Kavanaugh and... um who is it? Nor- Neil Gorsuch? Yeah. Is he the other guy? And yeah. Neil Gorsuch is a little older, but Kavanaugh is probably in his early 50s. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Amy Barrett Cohen? Yeah. Uh, she's, she's, again, yeah. late 40s, early 50s. So, so uh, we've lost the Supreme Court now for generations. You're a history guy and into like politics and stuff. What, what's your thoughts on um, this whole idea of Democrats wanting to expand the Supreme Court? Is that a good idea, bad idea? Will it happen? Uh, I mean, look, I think it's the same idea with the filibuster, like getting rid of the filibuster. It's a good idea when you're in power and when right. you can use that tool. Right. Um, but it's maybe not such a good idea when you're the minority party right. and are out of power and then you're kind of giving the other side more power. Um, would I pack the Supreme Court? I would I would probably say no, and here's why. I, I think the Supreme Court balance, I'm fine with how that is. I would I wouldn't do both that and the filibuster. I would I would get rid of the filibuster now. Mm. You can do that now. Mm. Enshrine abortion lights uh, in law. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right now. Yeah. Um, so we don't have to have a Supreme Court do that. Um, enshrine gay marriage in law right now. So we don't have to have the Supreme Court do Good that. Point. Yeah. Um, but again, the Democrats they won't they won't do it. They won't. Maybe they need to put their foot on the gas a little bit more. Not to go off the cliff, but to to you know take us into a turn. I mean, but they're not going right. to do it. They just right. don't do it. The whole thing with the Supreme Court kind of baffles me. And again, you're you're a history guy, so maybe you can help me with this. You know, where does it become a problem? Where you is there anything that that says that you can't just like overturn? Okay, so everybody thought the Roe v. What am I trying to get out of here? What what I'm trying to get out of here is everybody thought Roe v. Wade was the law of the land, and it was the law of the land for what 50 <laughs> years. And now all of a sudden we realize how vulnerable that really was. That a new Supreme Court that's tilted far to the right can just <clears throat> overturn that. So. It, it, why isn't, I, and I guess, 
I was going to say, why isn't there some kind of like structure or something set up that once a decision is made, it, it's like the law of the land forever. But then I understand that things change over time, and you don't necessarily want like an 1800s rule being, you know. Yeah. So, but where do we draw the line with that? I mean, because you theoretically could just go like back and forth, which is ridiculous. I mean, and then if maybe 25, 50 years from now, they could, you know, make abortion legal again. And then 50 years after that, they, it gets a little ridiculous after a while. I mean, where do you... It, yeah. And then it makes you think, what's the, almost the point of the Supreme Court then at that point? Well, so. well, ultimately, I think the Supreme Court is obviously supposed to interpret the laws, right? Yeah. And say whether they're, you know, constitutional or not, if right. challenged. Yeah. And I think the Supreme Court does that very well. But I think what's what's happened in our country, because of how gridlocked our government is, because we can't... The only thing we seem to get done, and I'm, I'm sure I'm probably wrong on this, I'm sure they get done minor stuff all the yeah, time, yeah, yeah. but we reaffirm every few years that our motto is in God we trust, right? right? right, right. That gets a, a hundred out of hundred votes in the yeah. Senate, right? Because that's we have to do that. Right. But, um, but other than that, when it comes to meaningful legislation like gay marriage, like abortion... Um, we are too gridlocked to do that, so we defer to the, I guess, if I'm using the right term here, the judicial precedence of the Supreme Court, okay. which kind of sets, which, you know, somehow I think, I'm, you know, I, I don't have the exact constitution in front of me, but basically I, I think the way it works is if, if the Supreme Court judicial precedence can, precedent can, can act as de facto law yeah. when there isn't one. Right. So if, 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 I think I'm right on that. So, um, that's why the Supreme Court does what it does. Now, right. ideally, it wouldn't have to do that. They, they, they wouldn't have to essentially make laws. But, again, our, our government's too gridlocked to do uh, important things. That's why we rely on the Supreme Court. Right, right. Which I don't think that's how the framers uh, intended that to be. Yeah, but, but that's um, where we are right now. Yeah. So, so do you think this whole, we're trying to pack so many topics into this, uh, you know, this half-hour uh, broadcast here, do you think this whole uh, concern about uh, overturning Roe v. Wade could be enough to unite the Democrats? And, and, and don't get me wrong, the Democrats shouldn't need just something like yeah. this to unite them. We should be united all the time. But mm -hmm. unfortunately, we tend to just be reactionary, whereas Republicans are always like proactive with stuff. But do you think this would could possibly help turn things in our favor in 2022? Or do we have a short attention span and we'll forget about it? Or, or, or what? Um, I, you know, a lot of that's going to be up to Joe Biden. And it's going to be up to the Democratic leadership. What? How do they use this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if if they go out and they say, "Hey, this is why we can't afford to give the Republicans up these seats," you know, this is why the Fetterman race is going to be a very important race oh, here, yeah. right here in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, if the Democrats hammer that home, uh, and remember, it's harder for the, the the power that's in party with the executive branch to. The, yeah. We normally lose seats in Congress. You know, I mean, whatever parties can control usually does lose seats in this uh, by election anyway. But, um, no, it's, it depends what the Democrats do. If, if, if they have a killer playbook, great. If, if not, then I don't think it'll make too much of a difference because, theoretically, even if the Democrats do maintain or even gain a little bit out of this election, which I don't think is going to happen, even if they did, we're sti we still won't use the power to get rid of the filibuster like we should to do the important things. Um, you know, I mean, we have full theoretically we have full power now. We have the House, we have the Senate. Mm -hmm. uh, we should be able, we should be doing what the Republicans do and True. Get, getting things done. But I mean, we have Joe Manchin. We and, have Joe Manchin, which makes so, things difficult. Which makes yeah, we have him, and then we have you know like other you know, far left Democrats who literally want to be like kind of. Quasi socialists, right? So, like, uh, and I don't, I don't think socialism is a bad word. I think socialism works well in a lot of other places, but there are no. Here's the problem with the Democrat. Let, let me point out an example from the the 2020 Democratic debates. So, as you know, I've lived in Britain. I yeah. love Britain, um, and over there they have uh, a really great national health service. Yeah. But they also have private insurance. You have the option. I call that freedom of choice. Yeah. But the Democrats 
at one of the CNN debates or something, like literally when they were asked about this, would you abolish private insurance completely or something to that effect? They all raised their hand and said yes. Now, some of them walked it back later. I'm pretty sure even Biden raised his hand, too. I don't, maybe I might be wrong about that. But most of them raised their hand and said they would abolish private insurance. And I'm sitting there thinking, wait a minute. They don't even do that in Europe. At least not in the UK. They have a public and mm-hmm. private like option. You the can, option, yeah. So getting rid of private insurance, whose idea is that? Yeah. That's, that's, it's that's a nice thought on paper, but it's never going to work. No, it's never going to work. And in a sense, I, I, I you know... I, Maybe over time, if our National Health Service did really well, which I think it would if we put the correct effort into it, um, you know, uh, we wouldn't need private insurance maybe over time. But, but the Democrats, are they're, they're not willing to be strategic about things. They're not willing to play politics to win. They're willing to just try to always say they're doing the right thing, but usually it equates to nothing. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, I'm going to put you on, on the spot with another question for you. Absolutely. How would you rate the Joe Biden presidency so far? We're like what, like thirty-five, forty percent of the way through at this point. What? How? I mean, he's. How would I rate him? I, I, I the numbers coming into my head, maybe six point five. He, he's an average president. Okay. He's not a bad guy. I like Joe Biden. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's not a bad guy. Um, uh, is he maybe a little too old to hold the office? Yes, but I mean. Okay, uh, look at... That's a problem across the board. I mean, yeah, yeah. Right. And any conservatives yeah. going to say anything, uh, you had... Mitch Trump. McConnell, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, people, yeah. there's no term limits. So yeah, they can yeah. stay forever, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but, but no, I think his administration isn't bad. It isn't great. I'm kind of neutral on it. I criticized his uh, pull out of Afghanistan. That was a disaster. I mean... Uh, with, you know, just from a political perspective, we're lucky that didn't happen like this year because that would have been even way worse. You know, going yeah. to this election, um, because like you said, people have have short short attention. Yeah, spans. it's all been forgotten already. Yeah, yeah, it's been forgotten, but it's still there and it'll be brought up. Yeah. It was a it was a bad move. I mean, yeah. Trump negotiating with them to begin with, his negotiations were bad. Even inviting them for like a terrorist sleepover at Camp David. Yeah, which is funny because Republicans are all the waving the flag, red, Security, white, and blue, yeah, yeah, screaming yeah. eagles or whatever. But then. You don't criticize Trump for wanting to invite the yeah. Taliban here to U.S. soil. Are you kidding me? Yeah. But and that's the hypocrisy, the right that I can't stand. But but back to the left though, with Biden, is he? No, he's not a bad president, but I think he, he's made a lot of, of mistakes. If I'm getting this correctly, Dan, you think that the Democrats are misdirecting some of where they should be focusing their priorities? Absolutely, on. because look, we can protect all our we can protect all our LGBTQ friends. Right. Enshrine that in law. Protect transgender people with laws. Protect gay people with laws. All this stuff that we need to do, uh, you know, if we get rid of the filibuster. What Joe Biden needs to do is he needs to get out on a podium. He needs to use the the bully pulpit every day. Mm-hmm. Get on the podium and every day say. Trump did every day. He was yeah, he did it every day. Always he, screaming. All, always, always. He should have a picture of on one side of him have the American flag on one side, pictures of the Republicans on one side, and say, hey, America is the only industrialized country that does not have universal health care. We're the only, and repeat that every day and say, hey, Mitch McConnell doesn't care if your grandmother dies. Because it's the truth. Because he he has great government health care, but he doesn't want you to have it. Right. And I would say that, I would hammer that point home. I kid you not, it'd be Monday through Friday, every day at 9 a.m., it would be a thing. You could work that right into the whole abortion issue as well, too, because I mentioned off the air with you. I mean, if, if this Roe v. Wade falls, that's going to be a domino effect, because then what's stopping the Supreme yeah. Court from overturning gay marriage? What's stopping the Supreme Court from going after birth control? What's stopping the Supreme Court from uh, interracial marriage? All, all these uh, these things that yeah. supposedly are solidified in law, what's stopping them that they couldn't just 
overturn it all. A hundred percent agreed. You're right. Uh, yeah. You know, they overturn abortion. You're right. Gay marriage could be uh, next. Women's voting. I mean, if you really want to, yeah. you know, if you really want to go down that. Well, and technically, yeah. uh, and technically, I think you're right. Even interracial marriage was a Supreme Court decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Loving v. Virginia. Yeah. So. Yeah, they could, if they really wanted to, they could overdo that, overturn that too. Yeah. So like, there's so much stuff that is now vulnerable that the Democrats literally could choose to protect right here, right now. Lock it in right now. Um, this month, yeah. if they wanted to, because um, we have the numbers to do it. But uh, not a lot of um, you know political courage here. And I, I just finished reading a book actually by Ed Rendell called "A Nation of of, of Wusses." Um, I remember Ed Rendell. Yeah, our oh, Ed, I love Ed Rendell. Yeah, yeah. And and he's you know, I just admired all the stuff he said in his book because he was a guy he said look you know I, I wasn't afraid of not getting reelected if you know if i i wasn't going to wuss out if that meant i wasn't going to re- get reelected doing the right thing then i wasn't going to get reelected and you know i think the democrats even in 2010 who lost their their seats in the house because they voted for the health care bill they still did the right thing overall for the american people and unfortunately we just don't have enough politicians and especially not not enough democrats who are willing to to, to see beyond their next election to, to what really needs to happen. So yeah. I don't see why they don't. I mean, if you're a member of Congress for a year, you get a pension the rest of your life, you get health care. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, what do you really have to lose? True. Well, we're, we're approaching half hour, so I want to end this on a positive note, Dan. What would you say would be, you know, for... Because it gets depressing after a while. You follow the news every day. As you know, I'm a news hound. It gets depressing after a while, though. So what, but, so what can the common American do to try to change this, this negative path that we're on of divisiveness Ooh, and stuff? Um, what, what can we do? I'm asking you to solve the world's problems here in like 30 (laughs) seconds. (laughs) Well, well, certainly, look, I mean, education is key. I think parents need to stop babying and coddling their kids. Um, Because, look, again, I'm a a center-left liberal, you know, and I'm proud of that. And I I stand for workers' rights. I stand for the LGBTQ community. I stand for transgender people. I support all of those those worthy causes. but I think as liberals, we also have to look at it and say, and I'm, I'm no, no hard, like, tough guy or whatever, but we also have to look at it and say, we're being too soft on our kids. And they need to be educated and informed because, look, I'm not saying all conservatives are stupid. I'm not saying all conservatives are racist because that's not true. Liberals have to stop talking down to people. But let's be real. Fair. Um, uh, you know, and I, we see that all the time. With, like, you know, you see certain commentators on MSNBC, yeah. they'll talk down to conservatives. But uh, we, what we really need to do is, is get our kids a little tougher, a little more educated, that kind of thing, so they can walk into a voting booth one day and actually make an informed decision, and, and not just, you know, uh, fall prey to some guy screaming MAGA and and giving you a red hat. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, Dan. So just again, ending on a, on another positive note. What's your, you got a big day coming up soon? You're going to yes. get married. Yes. Yeah, so uh, can I go on one negative thing real quick? Oh, go for it. Go so on. Troy Davis. Oh, I, I, I yeah. forgot to do this oh, when I hosted right, some right, alumni right. shows, so I just want to real quick. It's been, um, let's see, 3,893 days since Troy Davis was unlawfully murdered by the state of Georgia. We'll never forget that. Um, but, yeah, positive. So, um, yeah, uh, next month we're getting married and everything. Congratulations. Um, so, thank you. Thank you very much. It's uh, I know I'm definitely looking forward to it uh, and, you know, having, like, the summer off and stuff like that. i got a good friend of mine actually coming from New Zealand to uh, come to my wedding and stuff. So, that's neat. Uh, yeah. I'm got a honeymoon going, plan? Yeah, we're actually going to uh, Beloit, Wisconsin. Oh, that's neat. Yes, to that's see neat. the Beloit Sky Carp. Uh, we're going to go to Chicago and other places, too, but I love... I love baseball teams with birds. Yeah, it's, there you go. So I'm going to do that and everything. You know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Look Thank forward you to uh, you, wishing you the best in your life. And uh, 
stay in touch with KUR. Absolutely. I look forward to coming back. Maybe we do this every year or something we like do. that. We do. So. It's our tradition. Absolutely. Well, All thank right. you again. Thank you. And you want to repeat that number once again? Because we can't forget. We, we yes. have to end, uh, absolutely. end the show. Absolutely. Yes. So, and, and we shouldn't forget about uh, you know uh, injustice in our yes. system. So uh, it, it, it was 3,893 days ago that we lost Troy Davis, and we shouldn't have. And we never will forget. All right. Dan Donahue, thanks so much for joining thank us. Thank you so much, Mike.